You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. So let's start this morning with a little sociological exercise, all right? How many of you recognize this cast of characters? Give me a hand. I'm still amazed. I figured like 95% and then anybody under the age of 30, I thought it was going to be zero. Come on, we know Andy Griffith, right? I mean, think about it. Idealic or idealistic America, 1950s, Mayberry, right? Cast of characters that include Barney and Opie and Andy and Aunt B. To be honest, all we did was watch their lives play out, right? And we loved it. We loved it. And they weren't solving the world's problems, maybe Mayberries, but not the world's. And we loved it. We gravitated toward those characters. We saw ourselves in those characters. We saw ourselves in the relationships that were lived out. Watch over the last 50 years, with, it started with Andy Griffith, then in the 80s. How many of you recognize this, this, um, this show? Got a few more hands, right? Come on, don't anybody start singing. Where everybody knows, you know? Right, again, our whole culture is captivated by a group of people who would after work come together in a bar and just commiserate about life. And nothing really was done. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anything was really accomplished, but we loved it. We wanted to watch, we wanted to peek into, because in seeing them, we saw ourselves our lives and the relationships. What about the 90s? I'm taking some of you back today, aren't I? I mean, honestly, this is a show about nothing. Really, nothing. And we loved it. Right, Kramer and Jerry and Elaine, we, 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 we watched, we were interested because really, even though it was a show that nothing was being solved, we love relationships. The same as Seinfeld in and then these six people moved into our culture's mind. And all of a sudden, we gravitated toward a group of six single people at the beginning who had this mantra, I'll be there for you, right? I'm coming for you, some of you teenagers in 20s and 30s. I'm getting closer. You recognize this, right? I mean, really, if Seinfeld got nothing done, (laughs) these people were supposed to be doing work, but weren't. And we loved it, right? Why? Because the central core to who we are as human beings is this relational nature that we have. It makes sense, right? Our creator is a relational God. He is a tri- tri- uh, Trinitarian in nature, Father, Son, and Spirit, who 
live in relationship with one another and love each other perfectly. He's relational in his very being. And so when he creates us in his image, one of the things that is central to our DNA, core to who we are, is we long for and desire to live in relationships, right? And so as we're moving into this new chapter at Lima Community and we're understanding once again who we're called to be and as we've talked about this idea of the kingdom of God, that this this is an identity series. This is a, hey, first step forward kind of series. Like Jesus came and all he could talk about was the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is this. The kingdom of God is this. I am the kingdom. You should be the, you should be the kingdom. And in fact, in his, the way he taught us to pray, which we've lifted that phrase up in this series, he, he teaches us that as we pray, as we relate to him, as we communicate with him, we're thinking about who he is, hallowed be your name. But then immediately after that, we're praying for something first before our own needs and, and wants and desires and spiritual life. We're praying for the kingdom because the call of, of Jesus' followers is to see themselves to belong to a kingdom. In fact, when he says, and he prays, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The, 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 those two words, your kingdom come. Kingdom is this idea of rule or reign. Pray that the rule or reign of Jesus Christ would come to this earth. And that come word is a word that is actually, it's, it's, it, it has this meaning of let it be immediately. Let it come suddenly. Let it come now and, and let it come completely. And as Lima Community Church, we are a kingdom organization, part of the kingdom of heaven. And the call of all of us is to orient our lives first around this idea of seeing ourselves as belonging to the kingdom. And so that's where we start, right? Six weeks started with this idea of unity. Kingdom, it's realized in unity. That's where it goes forward is when we all come together and together follow the king. Uh, We talked about the second week that this pillar of kingdom life is built on the love of the father, right? I mean, this is what gives it energy. This is what gives it life. For God so loved the world that he gave. And out of that, what we're all about is trying to reconcile a world that's lost and broken and fallen to a God who loves them. We're experiencing God's love and and grace and and daily ways where he's renewing and restoring and refreshing our lives. And the kingdom is built on this love of the Father where it's a kingdom where all are invited. The invitation is always going out and we are a people who long to see one thing, the world reconciled to God himself through Jesus Christ. It's built on this love. Last week, Jonathan walked through this idea that this kingdom actually has a word, the life-giving word, that the, 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 the structure of this kingdom that God himself has given us his word to understand how we are to live our lives, how we to experience fullness and joy in this kingdom, how we are to know the will of God, live it out and experience an abundant life, a purpose-filled life. The word is a part of the kingdom. Today, we're gonna talk about this idea of the kingdom thrives in connection to one another. Next week, we'll talk about it acts out the mission of the king. 
And in a couple weeks, Wes is gonna walk us through that this kingdom provides purpose to each one of us through the various roles it calls us to. And so I wanna unpack this idea of the kingdom thriving in connection to one another. I think that so often what we do here and what a church is about has been so misunderstood, so mischaracterized. it's, It's been like something you go to You go to church, you do a religious activity, right? Like we've kind of skewed the idea of what church is, what the kingdom's about, and couple that with our deep longing for community. So often people are like, what I desire and what the church has become, it doesn't fulfill. There's a miss, there's there's something uh, wrong. And so I want to remind you, the first church, we have two texts this morning, Acts chapter 2, looking at one verse, this picture of the early church, the church that models exactly what God has planned for us as his his church, this first church that they lived out the values of the kingdom, they truly lived into kingdom life, and they changed the world. They didn't just change their communities, but this spread for 300 years, especially, and then on and on until today. These are the values. This is what it looked like. And the writer in Acts, Luke, gives us a snapshot of how that, how that lifestyle was lived out. It's this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Kingdom culture is a place where we do devote ourselves to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's what we're doing right now, right? That's a part of what we do. That's what they did. That's not changed. To fellowship, that's the word I wanna really zero in on today. They, they uh, devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the communion that we practice is we always are reminding ourselves the sufficiency of Christ and to prayer, obviously, But he says that one of the characteristics of that church and the plan of God for the church is they devoted themselves to fellowship. It's this word, kononia. Kononia. It's translated with words like communion, partnership, togetherness, commonness. Um... There's kononios, partaker, kononio, which means to be a partner, a sharer, a partaker. It's this idea of close togetherness. That the kingdom is a group of people that are closely tied together. This is upon which the bedrock of the early church was built. Teaching, prayer, communion, fellowship. It's this idea of more than just being together. It's actually a closeness that is a commonness of heart and mind and person. Let me share it this way. Everybody has family, right? Um, you ever find yourself at Thanksgiving? I gotta be careful here, we're online. And you're sitting there and you're in the same room with some of your family and you're thinking, these are not my people. 
Anybody else like me? You know what, probably they might be saying that about me too. I don't know. But this word carries with it far beyond the idea of we're just together. Like I'm together in the same room with my family, even people I share blood with, and there is not a lot in common, to be honest. These are not the people that I'm picking to be my friends, right? This word carries with it, not only are you together, but there's a commonness of purpose. There's a close togetherness. In fact, it's the word of knitting hearts together to each other and binding us to one another. And this is what the kingdom thrives in. (laughs) I mean, come on, that's the way we're wired anyway. Like I tried to show you in the beginning, our whole culture, just as people, we long for relationship. And the kingdom of God is the place where the best, most deep, most life-giving relationships can exist. See, the scriptures use different words for the people of God. The church, it uses words like laos, which is kind of like this broad, big C church. We are a part of the laos of God, the people of God. Like, I'm a part of people in Africa today, in China, and right? We get that, the big C church. It uses that word to understand us as who we are sometimes. It uses the word ecclesia, and it's kind of, that word kind of gets us down to a local congregation. Lima community is the local ecclesia. Well, and I, we're not the only, right? I'm not saying that, please don't quote me that way. Um, There's lots of churches in town that are the people of God, but we are this local expression, right? But more oftentimes than not, when it explains the people of God, it uses this word, Konomia. You're not just a group of individuals who come and gather in a room for an hour on a Sunday and that's what church is, right? Like I'm in clubs in the, in, in the community and sometimes those clubs exist in just coming together and talking about something and then leaving. That's not the church. That's not the understanding of kingdom culture. It's this close togetherness that exists with one another. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, you keep seeing this phrase, one another. I love this idea that we are called to one another, one another. That this this idea of what does the kingdom look like in relationship, it's this one anothering one another. Uh, Let me just read a list here. I'm not even gonna read them all, but uh, the scriptures say, be at peace with one another, love one another, build up one another, be of the same mind toward one another, esteem others uh, as better than yourself, serve one another, be devoted to one another, rejoice and weep with one another, admonish one another, care for one another, be kind and forgiving to one another, submit to one another, comfort one another. Encourage one another, be compassionate with one another, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another, be truthful with one another. I think I'm gonna say one another in my sleep tonight. (laughs) You see, this is the reality of kingdom relationship. 
This is the kingdom. When we enter into a group of people that then one another, one another. I mean, think about it. Love can't exist in isolation. Away from others, love bloats into pride. Grace can't be received privately. Cut off from others, it's perverted into greed. Hope cannot be developed in solitude. Separated from the community, it goes into the seed of all sorts of unrealities and form of fantasies. No gift, no virtue can develop or remain healthy apart from the community of faith. And it is not ecclesiastical arrogance to make this this comment, but spiritual common sense when we say, outside of the church, there is not salvation. Because an understanding of who Christ is and what he wants to accomplish in our life is that we come together in relationship and become his body. Listen to this. Max Licato's like the premium wordsmith of our day, okay? Like just an amazing ability to craft words. And this is what he wrote. I'm gonna read, but he's so good that you'll pay attention while I read. Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as the primary tool of the church. The primary gathering place of the church was the home. Consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. In fact, at least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Jews stood next to Gentiles. Men worshiped with women. Slaves and masters alike sought after Christ. How in the world can people of such varied backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? Well, the early church pulled it off. Without the aid of sanctuaries and buildings, clergy or seminaries, they did it through the clearest of messages, the cross, and the simplest of tools, the home. And so often you and I wonder, what value do we have for the kingdom? What is it that we bring to the kingdom? Well, it's in this very reality of opening your life and your heart to the person next to you and joining into this group of gather, this kononia fellowship. Something holy happens around a dinner table that oftentimes never happens in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on a clock, right? Amen? <laughs> Around the table, there is time to talk. It's no wonder that an early characteristic or hallmark of the early church was this idea of hospitality. And that word hospitality, we think of it so often opening our door to the stranger, or to the hurting, and it is that. But the hospitality that was practiced in the early church was far beyond that. It was to one another. It was this kononia, this idea that as a follower of Jesus, I am now a part of a family. And the, the deep desire of my heart to live in relationship, it finds fulfillment in this kingdom 
of God. I mean, think about it, the word hospitality, it opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that the word hospital and the word hospitality are from the same Latin word for they lead to the same result, healing. The hospital heals the body, hospitality works toward healing the soul. Remember the words of James, confess your faults one to another, pray for each other that you might be healed. It's why the scriptures would use this kind of, kind of description of the church, the kingdom of God, what we're supposed to be about, who we are. It's a house, the house of God. He uses this language to remind us that this community gives us support and stability like a house does. He uses the word body to describe us. A body gives life and growth. He uses the word plan at different times, and that community gives me ability to change others and myself. Family, the community, the family of God, it's a community what gives me love and acceptance. This is kingdom culture. When Jesus prays, your kingdom come, he's praying that you and I would be able to tap deeply into the relational part of who we are and find those relationships to be life-giving, fulfilling, and purposeful with one another. Are you with me? Making sense? You know, if you shake your head at me, I go fast. Now everybody's like bobbleheads. No. I mean, this is what the kingdom's built on. I've thought about this this week and I thought about this statement I wrote. We're created for connection, but we drift toward isolation and we settle for fake substitutes. I've wrestled with this in my own life that because of maybe my shame, my sin, my insecurities, my picture of myself, my my lack of confidence that maybe I'm not of value to anybody or anything. My frustration with humanity, amen? Amen. (laughs) And it just becomes easy to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm isolating myself. Or we settle for the lesser substitutes. Those shows that I showed you at the beginning I mean, they had great friendships, but did they really make each other better? No, they just kind of like, you just sat around in cheers and commiserated. Misery loves company kind of thing, right? They didn't make each other better. The kingdom calls us to a reality that stops us from being isolated and also gives us the real connection that is necessary for our life. Why do I say that? Well, it's because as the scriptures continue to be unpacked, we see this in Ephesians chapter four. It says that talking about the church and the community of faith, it says that in the context of the church, we are able to reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is God's purpose and plan for our life, is to make each one of us mature saints, strong, faith-filled saints, mature in the faith, 
strong in the fruits of the spirit, exhibiting the life of Christ to our world. This is what he's working toward, that as he forgives our sins, as he turns our life completely around, as we repent and follow him, that his goal is to make us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, to become mature, to be light and salt in this world. That's his will and purpose for me and for you. And that actually, he says that a way that is accomplished is we become mature in the body of Christ. He says that he wants us to become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by each supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, not only is the kingdom a place where we live in to relationship that we desperately long for and need, but the kingdom is also a place where those relationships help us become what God has always intended for us to be. I would make this statement. I want you to think about this. The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be depends on having the right people in your life. Oftentimes our failure, when we don't actively participate in deep, Christ-centered, honest relationships, our transformation into what God desires for my life is stunted. As a sports guy, I like this analogy. From this, from this section. Um, if you're not a sports person, I'm sorry. I'll try to figure out other analogies as we go. But it's this idea of good teams, championship teams, it starts with ownership, right? What resources are you going to give an owner? That's what he gives, right? His resources. The cash. In the kingdom, the owner, the king, has given us <laughs> the greatest resource himself. Like an unlimited budget, so to speak, of grace. Right? In a championship team, you have, you sh you, you have good coaches. Right? Somebody call Iowa and tell them. <laughs> it's bad, man, it's bad. Pray for my Hawkeyes. We come to the shoe in two weeks. It's going to be a blowout. I'm going to be there. And I'm willing to suffer for three hours to experience the shoe for one time. Yeah. Look at that. What? But you need good coaching, right? And this is talked about, he's given to us the apostles, the evangelists, teachers, pastors. Like the apostles, they started the coaching tree. And I follow down in that coaching tree. And my role in the kingdom is try to coach us, to show us the game plan, right? To school us in the game plan. But you know what makes great teams? And you know what? If the Buckeyes win the championship this year, you will hear 
them talk about this. Championship teams are built when teammates are accountable to each other. When they look out for one another. You can have great ownership, great coaching, but what, what is the essential difference is when teammates love each other, look out for each other, and try to make each other better, right? I mean, you'll see it when the World Series ends this year. They'll talk about, we won because we were together, we looked out for one, all that. And I see this in this passage, that that is what God is calling us to be, is a kind of people that takes ownership, the resources from Jesus himself. Uh, hopefully coaching is sound and good and leading us, but really at the end of the day, we, we become a team of people who look out for one another, who love one another, who strengthen one another so that together we can see the kingdom come. Amen. And in fact, he tells us in some ways, like if you read back through that, that the way that this happens and the way that the kingdom makes us better is together we, we, we bring doctrinal stability to one another. He says, we are no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It's actually us together, the body of Christ, that keep one another from losing our way, from believing false teaching. I'm gonna admit something today, but I'm kind of the guy that I can, well, I can get online and if I click on a few things, I can go down a rabbit hole and I can be a full-blown conspiracy theories. Oh, come on. You guys act like you don't do that sometimes. Did you read this and then you read this and you read this and you all of a sudden are sitting there by yourself at a computer saying, oh my goodness, aliens really do exist. You know, whatever conspiracies out there, I'm not, I don't believe. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I'm over, I'm hyperbole here today, but like, like I get in my mind something, I'm isolated, I'm reading, I'm fine. And then I walk into my group of friends, I start spouting this out and they just look at me and say, dude, you're whack. <laughs> and they call me back to what I should know, Right? This is what the church, this kingdom connection does for us. It gives us doctrinal stability. So as I'm connected to you and in relationship with you, that if I start to go off track in what I believe and what's being taught and in the cultural uh, messages that uh, want to grab us, it's, one, it's each other, we're looking at each other and say, whoa, man, that is, that's whack. We're not no longer tossed to and fro. It, it, it's, a, it's a relationship, a connection that has authentic relationships. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. I would, I would believe that you're like me and that the most valuable relationships that you have in your life, the most loving, deep relationships you have in your life are also those relationships where they have the freedom to speak truth to you. 
right? Those are the best ones. Like, I'll just use, for instance, my mom and dad. I mean, my mom and dad, since I've been early, have been speaking truth into my life, trying to lead me. And then there came a point when I went on my own, right? And now, but I'll tell you this, even at 43 years old, if my mom and dad were to sit me down tomorrow and say, hey, son, we're a little worried about this in your life. Like, do you see this? Do you want to make that decision? Do you think I get offended? I might get hurt for a minute, but at the end of the day, I know that the thing that my mom and dad want most for my life is the best, God's best. They want to see me succeed. Those are the kind of relationships that make us so much better. And it's authentic. Hey, this is who I am. I just need your help or listening. And you see what I mean? This is the kind of community the kingdom is. It's a, it's a community of, of full participation. He says, uh, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. It's this idea that truly we need one another. He uses this idea of the body so often and he says, listen, the body doesn't function well if something's missing, amen? Gotta have a couple kidneys, all right? Now you only need one, right? I guess you've always needed one, but, um, but right? We're just better when all of us are engaged and together. I'm better, I'm better if you are in on this thing with me. I'm better when there's more of you in on this thing with me. We're better when we're engaged. Can you imagine a team that one guy who might be talented wants to show up for a quarter of the practices and then start in the game? How well is the team gonna do? It'd be a struggle, isn't it? Being together, fully engaged, all of you at practices makes for a better player and team. And then there's a sense of growing love. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so this morning, I hope that you have caught this idea that your spiritual growth is in direct correlation to your involvement in close Christian community. And as we talk about the kingdom, as we pray your kingdom come, as we seek to be a kingdom organization that looks different than every other organization in the world. Amen? We're not trying to be anything else. We want to be that distinct picture of the kingdom of God. That a key facet to that will be a people that practice kononia. That realize that what goes on in here and the faith that we live into, it's not just a, hey, it's a religious practice of showing up on a Sunday morning for an hour and then sliding back out. 
I really don't know anybody from my church through the week. I don't really ever talk to anybody from my church through the week. I don't ever talk about my faith and my struggles and with anybody that I go to church with, but I go to church there. That's not the kingdom. That's not how we thrive. That's not how this changes our community. It's when we find one another in different ways that that happens and we become a people that one another, one another. You realize Jesus said this, that by this all men, the world will know that you're my disciples. What did he say it was? Your love for one another. He didn't say by all this, uh, by, by, uh, by having a great preacher, having great programs, having a great facility. We got at least two of those. <laughs> Sorry about the great preacher part. <laughs> he didn't say any of that. What causes the world to believe? Our love for one another. If you're someone who doesn't want another, one another, like, how does the world know this works? How does the world know it changes things? How, it's our togetherness. <laughs> and this is a pillar of what it looks like to not only have that deep relational need of your own life met, but then how relationships then can make us become the people that God has planned for us to be. I really believe this. I need you. I need you. I mean that. You're like, you're a pastor, you go sit and read your books and Bible all week. Surely you don't need anybody. Absolutely not. The only way I'm ever gonna be the person God caused, wants me to be is you. I can't even imagine where I would be without the church in my life. If I was just on my own, reading Bible, I'd probably believe a lot of weird things and I would not know what it is to love, to experience grace, mercy, to live with one another and forgiveness and forbearance, to look out for, none of that. The reason I am where I'm at today and I got a long way to go is because of people like you. And it's no different for any of us. The kingdom thrives in connection to one another. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that as I talk about this, I know I'm talking to everybody because we are human and we long for relationship. We long to know and be known. We long to to be a part of something, the joy of life-giving relationship. Lord, your kingdom is that place that not only meets that deep need, but actually the relationships in the kingdom help us to become the people that you've desired for us to be. Lord, speak into each one of our hearts, mine today. Help me not to drift toward isolation. Help me... None, none of the things that would cause that shame or guilt or insecurity or whatever. Help me to forsake the kind of isolated living, to run toward the community. Help us all to do that. 
Help us not to, to buy into the fake substitutes that, sure, there's a relational piece, but it doesn't really make us better. It doesn't heal our heart. It doesn't create in us the image of Jesus. Lord, I pray that this place would be known by its kononia fellowship with one another. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great Sunday and have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.